Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the pastor here. And we have started a new series last week called My Story, uh, Living the Story You Want to Tell. And we looked at last week, I decided to start. What are the things that we need to do in our life to start to bring a new story uh, into our lives? And we heard from that sweet elderly woman last week, uh, giving us just some wisdom about what it means to start. And I don't know if you caught all of what she said, but today we're talking about the second decision of my story, and that's I decided to stop. And uh, here are some things that she said. She says, regret, remorse, pages and pages of life, wasted and gone. But your story isn't finished yet. There's still time for edits and cuts. But before you start doing the right things, sometimes you need to stop doing the wrong things. My story, I decided to stop. The central idea for this whole series is the decisions that we make today determine the story that we tell tomorrow. And our story is something that's told out of the multiple of decisions that we make day after day. So our decisions and those choices are, are really important. And so that idea is what we're focusing on, how to make the right decisions so that we can live the right story. Our theme verse is Hebrews 12, uh, verse 2, and it says this, let us Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so last week we talked about the importance of starting your relationship with Jesus, and that means to fix your eyes on him. So to tell a different story, you need to look at a different Direction. You need to actually look at a different guide. And the Lord Jesus has promised to do that. And so as we fix our eyes on him, uh, he leads us forward. And the verse goes on to say, you know, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Meaning when we look at him, when we choose to be led by him, he will guide us forward. And our new story comes just like a new author who writes it. And Jesus is this author. He gives us this new book that we can write our story in. And he gives us this new theme of, of love that our story can, can look differently. And so uh, last week we, we focused on that. I decided to start. And if you missed it, I encourage you, you can go back and look at our previous message. But today, as we focus on stopping, I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper into what this looks like for our life. And so the tagline is how to live a story worth telling. I just want us to kind of ponder on that question just, just a little bit. How do we live a story that, that we want to tell others that we're not embarrassed by, that we're not disappointed in, we're not discouraged as we look at our lives, but how do we actually live a life that we want to tell others about? Like there's a sense of which we had purpose, we had a direction, and our life made an impact. But here's the deal. For that to be true means that we might need to change some things in our story. And so to start living a new story, we need to stop doing things that we've always done. And so you can see that this is a continuation of starting. There's sometimes when we are in a new story where it's not just starting, it's actually stopping. Like there's certain things that we need to stop. And we may have always done them. They may make sense to us. We may not think about them. But these things prevent us from really living the story that we want to tell. And so I actually want to back up and go to Hebrews 12, verse 1, the verse right before what I just read. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then verse two was just what I read, but then fix our eyes on Jesus. And so verse one of Hebrews 12 talks about we're kind of running this race. And so that's like another analogy of this story. We're running this race and there's a course that's marked out for us from our creator, God himself. And then there's these cloud of witnesses. And these are people specifically from the Old Testament, people of faith, people that decided to put God first in their life. These people have gone before us. They've lived this life of faith. They've marked their race and they've finished well. And the writer of Hebrews is saying is in the same way that these people have gone before us, we need to live our story well. We need to run our race well. But then notice that as we kind of keep in mind that there's people that have gone before us that are connected to our story. There's people that have invested in us. There's people that have loved us. There's a sense in which, man, we we're just didn't appear here out of nothing. All these decisions and things and circumstances have led us to this point. So right now where we are in the present, we have this unique opportunity to make the most of our life here and now. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on further and it says, so since this is true, since our life matters, let's throw off, and and there's two things that we have to focus on. First, we need to throw off anything and everything that hinders. And the word hinders there uh, literally means like a weight, like something that you're carrying that's excess, that's just weighing you down. And like in the analogy of the race, Uh, Runners, elite runners specifically, as they're running long distances, they want to get a lighter and lighter shoe. For every ounce that they lose off the the weight of their shoe, they lose a second off their mile. Now, for me and you, if we run kind of slow like I do, that second doesn't seem like it matters. But for elite runners, that just weight, a little ounce to take a second off the mile, it just puts them in a position where they can run the race that they need to run. And the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing. There's certain weights and hindrances that we have in our life that weigh us down. And then there's also sin that entangles us. And so the things as we're talking about stopping, I want to focus on what are the things that that hinder us and what are the things that actually stop us from living the story worth telling, from actually having an impact in our life. What are these things? Well, let's start on hindrances. Here are just common hindrances that, that we all deal with that just are heavy weights upon us, that slow us down. Uh, regret. These are things that we, we look back on in our life that we regret. A lot of times that leads to the second thing, which is shame. There's things that we've done that we wish we hadn't have done. And then it leads to this, this shame, this over kind of whelming sense that we should have known better and we didn't know better. Oh, how can we ever rebuild? And so we get really just, discouraged by that. Uh, A third thing, which I just mentioned, is just that discouragement over time. It just solidifies and this just kind of becomes our norm. Well, regret, shame, discouragement, these are all like weights upon us that just slow us down, that are on our shoulders. And it's just like, we just feels like we're walking with concrete on our ankles. What that leads to is uh, we tend to project all the things that we think about ourselves, we project onto others and we say, well, since I think this about myself, they must think that about myself as well. And then that leads to expectations. Again, we, we have regret, we have shame, we think we should do better, then we don't do better, then we get upset at ourselves and we, we, we're just swirling. Does that ring true to you? 
Sometimes this can just be the swirl of my life. All inside my head, these struggles, well, those are the, the weights. Those are the hindrances that we actually need to throw off. Those are the things that we need to stop thinking about. So we must throw off first, like the writer says, everything that, that hinders. And I kind of talk through the, just that swirl of emotions that kind of weighs us down. But then we also need to throw off sin that entangles. And the word entangle there is this picture of something that constricts. It surrounds you. It kind of chokes the life out of you. Picture this boa constrictor. And your sin is like that. It's just wrapping around your life. Maybe it starts on your ankles and it moves up. It moves up to the point where you know, soon you're, you're just totally incapacitated. You, you can't do anything. The oxygen is cut off. That's what sin does. Our choices matter. The sins that we do, they actually impact our life. And so the writer is saying is, we have this story to tell. Jesus is our author. We have to throw off these hindrances, these weights, these swirling of emotions. We need to throw off the sin that entangles us. And so sin for, for all of us is something that we face. It's something that we deal with. We're not perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. But these sins are something that we have to take seriously. And some sins that we may deal with is things just like living outside our, our means financially, just overspending. That could be a sin where we, we lack self-control and then we make decisions that could really get us into trouble. Well, those decisions could really cause a lot of problems for our life related to finances. Uh, lying. You know, we can easily lie to people, just people that we love, people that are close to us. We don't want them to see what's really going on and so, so we lie. Uh, we, we can grumble, we can complain. Uh, we can, you know, get to this point where we just isolate ourselves. We want to do things our own way, our own goals. We force people to do what we want. And that, that selfishness uh, is sin as well. And so you could see, oftentimes it starts with maybe a little choice, then another little choice, a little sin, another little sin. And that leads to more and more. And you could just see that just is getting wrapped around us and the life is getting choked out. And the story that we're living is not one that we want to tell. And so the writer is just saying, listen, guys, there's people that have gone before us. There's people that are loving us, that have invested in us. Back from the Old Testament to people in our lives here and now, let us run this race. Let us live this story in a way where we're not going to just carry these burdens that are going to prevent us from making the progress that God wants us to make. I want to illustrate this. Uh, by, a, by a helpful Old Testament story. And it's the story of Moses. And Moses is like a central figure in the Old Testament. You may have heard uh, some of kind of stories related to him. Uh, he's the man that led the Israelites out of Egypt. He was there in the middle of the plagues against the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He was there to lead the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land. The sea parted. And there was the dry land that he led the people on. And scholars believe there was probably about 2.4 million people that he led out of Egypt. And so he was a part of many miracles. He was a part of leading God's people out of this bondage of the Egyptians. And so Moses is the central figure. But it's interesting, Moses actually hit a spot in his life where he had just been doing things that he had always done without thinking. Have you done that before in your life where you just... Do what you've always done. You're maybe a creature of habit. You maybe haven't thought about it. It's worked so far, but you just haven't really thought about it. And those are the things that can hinder us. And sometimes when we don't think, that leads to sin. And so there's a story of, of Moses' life as he relates to his father-in-law, Jethro. 
And Jethro has some keen insight that I want to point out, and I think it can be helpful to us as well. So let's read it. It's in Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 13. It says, the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. So there's millions of people, and he's serving this role as a judge, and they stood around him from morning till evening. So all day, all night, the people are coming to Moses, their leader, the wise person that can give them insight, and they're, they're wanting his counsel, wanting his direction, wanting his guidance. And then verse 14, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? And so Jethro is observing. He's seeing this pattern. Moses sitting, letting the people come. They're in lines. They're waiting and waiting. And he's talking to every single person. And Jethro says, well, he's noticing what's happening. Then he says, well, what? What are, what are you doing? Why don't, why don't you tell me what's happening? Then he goes on, why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And so Jethro was observing the what, what is happening? Then he asks a really important question, why? And at the why, we find a lot of kind of things in our own heart. And so Jethro is wanting to get to why, Moses, are, are you doing this? Why is this this pattern where you're the only person that's leading these great multitude of people? And then notice Moses' response. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And it's just like how we would answer, well, because that's what they do. And because that's what they do, that's what I do. And because we did it yesterday, we're doing it today. And because we'll do it today, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow. There's just these patterns that we get in in our thinking. There's patterns that we get in our actions. And we just keep doing what we've always done. And so that was his answer to Jethro. And then he further explains himself. Verse 16, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Then in verse 17, after Jethro hears this answer, here's his reply. He says, Moses' father-in-law replied, pay attention to this, this is so important. What you are doing is not good. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. What a great picture. And as I read this, I think of my own life, of the different things that go on, and I just am not thinking. I just keep doing what I've always done. There's just these patterns that I have that are ingrained in me that I just default to. They make sense to me. And because they make sense to me, I keep doing them. Because I keep doing them, they keep making sense to me. You can see this just vicious cycle. And so if you kind of contrast that with the writer of Hebrews, you can see, wow, how easily we can be entangled how easily we can be hindered by just these weights of just sometimes not thinking or just the expectation of the moment. Or like in Moses' case, he had value. He had this kind of role of importance and it was almost like, well, if, if I hand it off, well, am I less valuable or the people gonna follow someone else except for me? And you could even see there's probably some inward struggle there. And it's the same with all of us. In our hindrances and in our sin, if we really dig into our hearts, there's some things going on that just, it makes sense to us. We want to feel a certain way. And oftentimes we want to feel a certain way because there's this void. 
We go to sin and we, we go to these struggles in our mind because there's this void where we're looking for contentment. We're looking for hope outside of the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And so Jethro, what he's doing as this wise counsel to Moses is he's actually showing him a blind spot. Now, if you're driving, uh, we get in blind spots a lot. Here's a picture of a mirror that helps you see cars that are in your blind spot. And that's really helpful because it just allows you to see things that you couldn't see. And those things cause you to stop doing what you were going to do. So if you were going to merge into the lane and you look in that mirror, you see, oh wait, there's a car there. I, I shouldn't do it. And actually that's, that's what God wants to do in our life. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, again, the author and perfecter, he points out these blind spots that we can't see. We can't stop doing what we've always done if we don't know that we do it. And so God is so gracious. He's personal. He leads us. He's kind. He's patient. But at the same time, he can cut right to the heart of what we need to do differently. And so I want to spend a moment kind of walking through some things that specifically you may need to stop and I may need to stop in our life. Before I do that, I want to speak a little bit about a spiritual reality that we have. We are obviously in this physical world, but there is a spiritual reality and there's forces of good and God's leading the light. And then there's forces of evil, darkness, and Satan is leading those forces. Those forces are real. They can invade our world. They can also influence our mind, especially the enemy. He wants to wreak havoc on our life. As much as God wants to lead us through Jesus, the enemy, Satan, wants to lead us astray. As much as Jesus wants to be the author of our new story, the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy our story. So when I'm speaking of these things of starting and stopping, I want you to know that we're just not living this life by ourselves independent. There's this spiritual reality that's going on that what we make, the decisions that we make, they, they really do matter. The good news is God is powerful. He sees all and he is there to help us. And so as I talk about some things that you may need to stop, I want to talk a little bit under this reality of just the spiritual things that happen. It's easy to feel condemned. You may have grown up going to church and you may have heard a pastor that just filled you with guilt and shame because of what they said, or you may have grown up in a family where they did that. And so maybe your idea of even church or religion or God is, is one of condemnation or shame or guilt. Like if I don't feel bad enough, then I'm not going to change. When I'm talking about stopping today, I'm actually talking about moving past condemnation to conviction. Conviction is actually what God does. Condemnation is what the enemy does. When we feel guilt and shame, a lot of times there's a vague sense of we've done something wrong and we're overwhelmed with guilt and we can't really point to something, but it makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel like we can't make progress. It makes us feel like we can't change. Do you feel like that? I feel like that sometimes. And I have to just stop that thinking. Just because I have the thought doesn't mean it's right. And those condemning thoughts, they, they don't help us start a new story. In fact, they don't help us stop with the hindrances and sin, oftentimes they just send us further in the abyss. So what I want to encourage you to do as we talk about things to stop, ask God to show you and to lead you forward in hope with this understanding that you can change. Not because you have the power to, 
but because you have a new author as soon as you look to Jesus. And so if you feel stuck, you feel like you can't change, you feel guilt, you feel shame, I just encourage you right now, inside your head, if you're watching with other people, or you know, out loud, if you feel comfortable, just pray against that. Say, God, right now, I just pray against shame. I pray against condemnation. And I ask God that you'll really speak to me. In fact, I wanna pray this right now because as we talk about things that we wanna stop, I believe that God can speak to us. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word that shows us who we are and what's really going on. Right now, I just wanna pray against condemnation. I wanna pray against shame and guilt. And God, I pray that if we have any thoughts that are just pulling us in the wrong direction, making us feel hopeless, I just bind those thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you will show us the things in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our actions that you want us to stop. But God, lead us in power and hope because that's how you lead us. Help us to follow in that step so that we can change and experience the story that you have for us. We ask this in your son, Jesus. Amen. I hope that makes sense. The reason I want to share that is that's something I just have to share with myself all the time. Is this actually leading me to change in a way that's pleasing to God? Or am I just trying to do things on my own power or just feeling that guilt? So I encourage you to kind of work through that. So let's kind of look at some things that you and I may need to stop. And I'm gonna kind of go over these briefly. And there's a scripture, but I encourage you, if you've not yet, print out the listening guide that Emily referred to on the website on the page that you're watching this. I know it may be hard if you're looking at the same device, but print out uh, that listening guide because I think it'd be helpful for you to take notes if you haven't yet. But also, if you're just watching, you wanna do it afterwards, you can use these kind of scriptures as a guide for you to read later. So I encourage you to do that. Take some time to, to think. So today I need to stop. Here's the first thing, acting so proud. Is pride something that has just entangled you a little bit, where you're just thinking kind of about yourself more than you should or thinking that you're better or your insight or your understanding is better than those around you. It's easy for pride to creep in. 1 Samuel 2.3 says, Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by his deeds are weighed. And so the pride here is mentioned just, we, we're talking about our plans. We're talking about all the things that we can do. We want to make ourselves look better. But God, he, he knows exactly what's going on. And so we don't want to have a pretense. When we choose pride, we're actually opposing God. We're lining up on the opposite side of him. We're coming against him. And he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So is pride something that's, that's creeping in? your life. And so you may just want to ask, God, do I have some pride that I need to deal with and confess to you? So I encourage you to, to ask that. The second is people-pleasing. Uh, the scripture talks about this as being maybe the fear of man. We fear or we care so much of what other people think, even more than God. It's easy to do this. You may have grown up doing this. Maybe what your parents have thought, your siblings have thought, your teachers thought, your friends have thought. You just are always looking around. Am I approved by them? Am I okay? And you base your identity on others' thoughts. Well, this is what the scriptures say about that. Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. It's a trap. 
but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Are you trapped by the expectations of others? Are you trapped by just wanting people to think highly of you, which can also be connected to to pride? Is people pleasing something that you really need to stop? So just ask God that to show you as well. The second, or the third, sorry, is grumbling and gossiping. In this season right now, I'm not going to lie, it is so easy to grumble. Our normal lives have been stopped. We're facing the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. As a church, we don't know what's happening in our lives. Like, it's very hard. It's very day-to-day. Well, as we have less control of what everything's going to look like, it's easy to grumble. It's easy to complain. And then we can gossip and just talk about all the problems that we have. As we're spending more time with our family, as we're looking at what authorities are doing around us, all around us, it's easy to get in that mode. Here's what Philippians 2 says about that. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Grumbling is really like taking a small dose of poison. It's not enough to like take you out right away, but you take a little small dose of this poison and it begins to kind of erode you and kind of destroy some things on the inside. Over time, you grumble long enough, your whole outlook on life is one that your story's derailed. You just see the bad. You just see the hopelessness of every situation. And then as we complain or gossip to others, it's like giving them a sip of the poison saying, see, why'd you take a little sip? And it's a little bitter. And you're like, that's bitter. And you just begin, and this breeds to more complaining and more grumbling. I love how the writer Paul is talking about how you shine like a star if you don't do this. It's so normal to grumble and complain. I encourage you, is that something that you need to stop? I've had to check this in myself. Am I waking up? Am I really thinking about what the Lord wants me to do today, the opportunities around me? Or am I looking at everything I can't do, at all the restrictions? Am I looking at everything that's bad instead of what could be good in this situation? So ask God to show you that. Another, something we may need to stop is stewing in regret and discouragement. I say stewing there because again, it's thoughts that come. It's very easy if we have a thought to think that it's true. Why? Because it's in our mind. It's a thought. How did we get that thought? It must be something that's real or true. There's so many thoughts that we have in our mind that is not true at all. Again, there's a spirituality. There's some forces working. Sometimes we just think in things that are just flat out lies. Maybe things that we bought in from the culture maybe lies from the enemy, maybe lies that people have told us, or they may be lies that we've just always believed ourselves. Whatever the case, we can't just stew and ruminate on falsehood. We need the truth. And the truth is God meets us where we are. He will help us to change. Psalm 42.5, I've quoted this recently in my own life. It says this, Are you so downcast, O my soul? Or why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Kind of this idea like, why are you down? Why are you discouraged? Then it goes on, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I love the question. On Tuesday, I woke up and I totally had the post-Easter blues. 
as a pastor, oftentimes, you know, we're looking forward to Easter. And while this Easter was very different than what I expected, I was just excited to see the church come together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Well, on Tuesday, I just kind of felt down, like, what else do I have to look forward to? And I just began, I woke up and I just kind of felt this just heaviness of the day and my life. And I just thought, well, what, what's going on? What's happening? And it's like this verse spoke to me. What, why am I having those thoughts? Why am I so downcast? And then I realized, well, you know what? I was putting hope into things external, you know, my own circumstances. Instead, the psalmist is saying, put your hope where? In God. Put your hope in Him. And then you have a lot that you can hope for. And so that's been an encouragement. But is that something you need to stop? Just There's some re- just regret and discouragement. And it's just, again, that swirl. You just may need to stop that. Put your hope in God. And then the last is you may need to stop just being frustrated at others. Psalm 37, 8 says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Now, this frustration is something where oftentimes there's just a little thing that bothers us that some, you know, something that someone does, and we may let it go, but we kind of remember it. And then they do something else, and then we remember it. This can be our spouse, this can be a roommate, this can be our kids. It's just these little offenses, little offenses. And then we get to the point where we're so frustrated that it leads to this anger and we blow up. Does that sound familiar? We're isolated at our homes with each other, and it doesn't always bring out the best, right? It just can bring out the worst in us. But again, we need to maybe stop being so frustrated. And so one thing I can encourage you to do is just ask yourself, what what is it that I expect from this person? Oftentimes, frustration comes from expectation, And sometimes if I'm frustrated at my wife, it's because I've wanted her to do exactly what I want. I want her world to revolve around mine. Well, that's not my role. With my kids, sometimes if they're completely quiet and they don't make any noise, everything will be okay. But that's that's not realistic. They're kids. They can hardly go anywhere. They can hardly be outside. So they're noisy and we're all inside. But man, that frustration, right? It begins to kind of... And you just can, can blow up. But that may just be something that you need to, to stop just that frustration. So begin to ask yourself, what is it that's causing that frustration? What is it inside me that I just have these expectations for this person? Is that right? Is it realistic? Is that something that's kind and, and loving? And so I encourage you, think through these. Is there some discouragement and regret that you need to stop just thinking about? And you, you just confess it. Is there some pride Is there just frustration? All these things that I've mentioned, I've I've kind of turned it to confess. To confess means you agree. Okay, God, I agree that there's these things inside of me that I should not be doing. There's these thoughts. There's these patterns of my behavior. There's things that are going on in my heart that make sense to me that are not right. So to confess, you just admit it. It's like, oh, God, you're right. I do that. I have been prideful. I've been thinking my way is the best and that I know better. And so when you confess, not only do you you agree that that was wrong and that was sin, but to get it untangled, you, you ask for forgiveness. And that is the greatest news about Jesus coming and dying for our sin. 
we can be forgiven. The burden of our sin, the weight of these hindrances, we can throw them off because Jesus has forgiven us. So when you confess, you agree it was wrong, and then from that confession, ask for forgiveness. God, I've been just so heavy laden with discouragement and I realize I'm putting my hope in my circumstances and my own plans. Will you forgive me for that? I want to put my hope in you. That's just a sample of how you can pray. So identify what is that sin. So I just want to give you a moment and it's going to feel a little quiet here on camera. But just just for a moment, as you're watching this, what is it that you need to stop? What is it? Is there something that I've mentioned that you just kind of sense that conviction? It wasn't condemnation, but there was like a conviction like, oh, I, I do that. So just take a moment. What is it that you need to stop? Just take a moment to think about that. Let God just in the silence speak to you. I know that feels like a long time for me just standing here as I'm talking to all of you. But in that silence, God will speak. So I encourage you, if he's not shown you anything yet, just continue to ask, God, is there anything I need to stop that's preventing me from living the story you want to tell? I want to speak specifically to some people just based on where you may be. And this may not be everyone, but... I woke up early this morning and this just kind of was laid on my heart. And so I just want to share it. For some of us, we may need to stop running from God. I've mentioned specific things, some specific patterns or sins. But for some of us, it actually may mean that we need to stop running from Him. And to stop running from Him means that you're willing to follow Him. You're willing to do life His way you realize you get to this point where you just have to make a choice. Am I gonna live for myself and my own goals or am I willing to surrender and bow the knee to Jesus the King? So if that's you today, you can decide to follow Jesus. You can stop running from God. He sent Jesus to save you. And so you just made me stop and say, okay, God, I, I surrender I'm not gonna fight you anymore. I want to do life your way. And so if that's you, I I encourage you, that's what it means to become a Christian. You stop running, you stop going your own way, and you turn around and you follow Jesus. When you do that, he becomes your author and your new story can start. So if you've not done that, stop running and start your relationship with Jesus. Uh, For others of you, there's some next steps. And so on the connection card, Um, that is on the screen that you're watching this on, I I really encourage you to fill this out. We're living in a time now where it's really easy to be anonymous. Uh, You can be on social media, you can watch on YouTube, and we can just be kind of these passive participants. Well, here at church, you actually have an opportunity to become an active participant. And so I encourage you, one of the ways you do that is you fill out the connection card. And that's your way of saying like, I was at church today. And you know that because I'm filling out this connection card and I'm taking a next step or I have a prayer request and I ask that you you pray for me. So it's easy again to be anonymous, to kind of be in the background, but I encourage you take a step forward and fill out that connection card, take a next step. So we know as a church together we're doing this. We wanna stop these things.
And so here's the next steps. First is just stop and there's a blank. What is it that you need to stop? I've mentioned a few things. There could be something else. Just I haven't even mentioned it all, but God said, you need to stop this. And I encourage you, mark that on the connection card. Like my next steps, I need to stop this. If it's something that you want to keep confidential, uh, you can email me. If you just, I need prayer, I want to stop this, you can email me directly. The email is visitridgeview at gmail.com. If you just know, I need, I need help with this, I need to stop, let me know that and I will pray for you specifically. And reach out, we want to help. So you can email me if you prefer, but stop and, and write that. The second next step is to memorize Hebrews 12, 1. What it does when we memorize scripture is it gives us kind of the tool in the moment to do the right thing. The reminder of like, wow, there's this cloud of witnesses. There's people who've gone before us in the faith as examples. They finished their race. They've lived a new story. I can do this too. I can throw off the hindrances and the sin that entangles and I can finish my story and the race that God has set before me. And so you may want to put that to memory. Get a three by five card and write it or put it on an, you know, your phone so you can see it. Put it somewhere prominent in your, your house so you can read it this next week. And then another is a Bible plan. One of the ways that we want to stay connected as a church is to read the Bible together. And so a couple weeks ago, we did a, a Bible plan and you read the scripture every day and you can make a comment on it. It's a great way for, for us to like read the scriptures together. And so we're going to start this again uh, this next Monday. And so if you'd like to be sent information, we're going to be doing it specifically about prayer. It's going to be a seven-day Bible plan on prayer. And the reason I think this is helpful is as we're talking about starting a new story and stopping things to do that, we need God's help. And prayer is our way of connecting and communicating with God. And so the third next step is just say, like, sign me up for this Bible plan. I encourage you to do that. We'll have uh, women, just to keep the, the, the groups a little bit small, we'll have like, we'll do the same plan, but we'll have women, women doing the plan together and men doing the plan together. And you can make comments each day about like what your takeaway was. For those of that, that have done it, I think it's been an encouragement. I know that I've really just gained a lot of help from that. And so I encourage you uh, to do that as well. And then the last next step is tune in next week. Just decide, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to, I'm going to be here and I'm going to watch this third week. We're going to talk about, I decided to stay. What are some things that we're facing where we need to stay and we need to endure so God can teach us? And then the second part is I invite somebody to watch. One of the things I encourage you to do right now is the barrier is so low for people to experience our church. So think through who you can invite in your life. Ridgeviewchurch.com slash watch. You can share that link. You can share with people our online community, our website, but encourage them. Tune in. There's some hope. There's some perspective. Give people just a sense that they don't have to live life and they don't have to kind of just overcome and cope the season by themselves. So again, will you take a move to take a next step? Fill out your connection card. As soon as I'm done, we're going to sing another song. When the service is over, take the time to fill out that connection card. Move from being anonymous like passive participant to like an active participant that takes this next step. I'd love to pray for you as you do that. And I really look forward to seeing what God does in our lives and in our church as we decide to start following Jesus, 
keeping our eyes fixed on Him, and then as we decide to stop doing things that are hindering our progress. So I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Thank you guys for joining uh, with the service today. Just a reminder, at 3 p.m. today, uh, just like we do every week on Facebook and Instagram, I'll go live, and it's just an opportunity for you to talk through some of these next steps and ask questions, and again, if you have any prayer requests. And so I hope to see you uh, connected on those later today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for drawing near to us. Thank you that we're not left to tell a story by ourselves, but you come alongside us. You sent your son Jesus to be an author of a new story. We can start afresh. And not only that, God, but as we looked at the scriptures today, we can stop doing the things that we've always done that are not helpful, that are hindering us, that are entangling us, that are choking the life out of us. The reason we can do that is because you've given us power through Jesus. The same power that raised him from the dead is in us as soon as we decide to follow you. And so I pray if there's anyone here that's running from you and they just know that they're just running and they need to stop, God, will you show them and just help them to make that decision? Today, I will stop running from God. And if that's you today and you just decide that you need to stop that, will you, will you let us know? We, we want to help you in your story. And God, just speak to people's hearts, soften it. And if there's other things that just have been shown to us, God, other things that we need to stop, help us to identify it and just to come out and just say, you know, I need to stop this. Call it what it is. Confess it. Ask for forgiveness and begin on this new story that you have for us. So God, we pray again against condemnation and shame and discouragement. We ask for your hope to fill us, to give us a purpose and a renewed sense of what you can do in our lives. Thank you for being with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.